The Capitals made some small offseason moves and they hired a new coaching staff. But will that be enough to compete in the Metro Division? We'll discuss next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms, including the SiriusXM app and on YouTube. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen each and every day. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. And the best way that you guys can help grow the show is to go over to YouTube and subscribe to Locked On Capitals and comment anything down below. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. In today's episode of Locked On Capitals, we talk about the Caps coaching staff. There were some changes made in the offseason, so you're going to get some different looks from the Capitals. We'll talk about that in the show. Then we will talk about our reaction to the draft. Were they the right selections? Uh, but just to get it going here, we will talk about the Caps free agency activity in today's episode. Once again, we are joined by Justin Trudell of Nova Caps. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. So taking a look at the movement during free agency, uh, I was listening to it all day. I was on a road trip. I had Sirius XM on. I was like, let's hope for a big move. Let's hope for a big move. And they signed Max Pacioretty and Joel Edmondson. Um, what were your initial reactions? We'll start with Pacioretty. Uh, for me, it seems like a safe bet. Um, you know, they got him for $2 million and then $2 million more with incentives. Uh, a thing about him, though, of course, is his Achilles issues. So that is something to be concerned about. Where do you sit with Max Pacioretty? Yeah, I think um, with the relatively low kind of contract value there with the $2 million cap hit plus that $2 million incentive that would take effect in the 2024-2025 season. Uh, pretty low risk, in my opinion, just from the perspective of like, if you can't come back from the Achilles injury, you're not going to really be on the hook for that entire $2 million bonus. Um, but on the other hand, if he comes back and looks like the player he did in six games last season and in the 2021-2022 season with the Vegas Golden Knights, that's a pretty substantial impact in the top six. He's a guy who can score goals. He contributes. Um, he has really, really strong underlying metrics. So to me, like age aside, yeah, Pat Reddy's 35, so it's not like we're lowering the average age of the team very much. But he's a he's a proven contributor. Um, he's a guy who can add a lot of scoring during five on five and on the power play, especially for someone with a left-handed shot, which the Capitals haven't really had in a bit. Um, I mean, most of these goal scoring threats on the Capitals power play has been Alex Ovechkin and then a mix of Oshie and Wilson in the bumper and Carlson at the point. And the commonality they all have is they're all right-handed shots. So you kind of get to the left side where you typically had, you know, like Dylan Strom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Nicholas Backstrom. They're all lefties. They're all facilitating playmakers. And they're not really shooting the puck much, especially Kuznetsov, who 
we need to see shoot the puck more and be more successful there. Um, but from the perspective of like, if Pacioretty can come back healthy, that's a definite improvement in the top six to me. Uh, obviously, we'll have to wait with bated breath to see how long he can, you know, how long it'll take for him to get healthy, get back in the lineup. And then obviously, like, let's hope that Achilles is stronger than ever after the two tears, the same one. So uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on throughout the season, especially at the Caps kind of recent health issues. Yeah, because I had heard that they checked out his medicals and they talked to the surgeon and that it's looking good. But I mean, ultimately, uh, who knows at the end of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, but the thing of it is, is the Capitals would not have been able to afford him had he not had those Achilles issues. Let's face it, he is like a, a used car, if you will, that uh, that is ultimately the only way the Caps were able to get him. I do agree with your assessment there, though, as well. They were looking for a goal scorer. Uh, Alex Ovechkin was the one that scored primarily all the goals last season, where a couple seasons ago it was Tom Wilson and Evgeny Kuznetsov who rounded out the top three in goals. So they are looking for a bit more production. Uh, one of the other moves they made was for Joel Edmondson. I like that uh, as the Habs retain 50% of his salary, uh, a rugged defenseman over six foot, 220 pounds, if memory serves. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Caps faced quite a bit of issues uh, as far as injuries concerned on the blue line last season. Do you view this as a depth piece or what, what do you think was behind it? Yeah, I think there's a few things at play here. Uh, one from like the roster construction standpoint, when you look at the Capitals blue line, they don't have that physical defenseman that can clear the crease that you kind of lost with like the departures of Brooks Orpik and Brendan Dillon over the past few seasons. Um, so I think that was a big piece. Like they needed that guy, like especially on the penalty kill that can come in and keep guys out from you know, right in front of the goal, potentially getting some guys out of the way of screens in front of Kemper and Lindgren. So I think from that perspective, it makes a ton of sense. I'm thinking like Edmondson's a third pairing kind of defenseman when we look at how kind of the roster will shake out. I think Sandine and Fairberry will be, you know, first or second pairing, you know, kind of flip-flopping throughout the season, depending on how things look and all that good stuff. But um, I think it was also a pretty shrewd move by McClellan just because like a third and a seventh is a pretty, you know, light price to pay for a guy who's proven to be an NHL caliber defenseman. Um, and then when you're looking at the left side of the defense, if without acquiring Edmondson, you're looking at Sandine, Fairberry, and Alexiev, they're all 23. So you're looking at a team like, yes, we need more youth, but we also need experience when you're looking at like, when you're making a run in the playoffs, younger teams tend to struggle at first until they get that experience. So you get a guy in Edmondson who has that experience going deep in the playoffs and has that physical game that the Caps really, you know, is part of their that identity over the past, you know, 10 years, basically. Um, so from that perspective, like, yeah, it's a it's a move to make. It keeps, you know, probably Alexia out of the everyday lineup. But the worst case scenario is Edmondson doesn't work out his cap hit isn't super high with that 50% retention by Montreal and you can, you know, put him at the seventh D or the best kind and worst case scenarios caps are out of the playoff spot, you know, come the trade deadline and Edmondson's another asset you can flip with even more salary retained for a potentially higher return. So it's kind of an investment piece. If it works out for the caps and they're, you know, in a playoff spot from the trade deadline, it's a great move. And if they're not, then, and Edmondson's playing well, then, you know, could potentially turn into an even big, bigger return than Montreal got. Yeah, I mean, I was ultimately looking for this to be the season for Alexiev, but like you said, it's a little bit of depth. They could flip him, uh, something like that. So 
Uh, one of the other acquisitions that was made that wasn't spoke about too much was Matthew Phillips. And, um, you know, it was one of the things I was listening to the Jeff Merrick podcast. And I, I heard about the, the transaction take place and I wasn't real familiar with him. Uh, but then I heard Jeff Merrick saying that this is a steal for the Capitals, uh, that the Calgary Flames will most likely be kicking themselves that they let this guy go. It looks like he has a pretty good upside here as well. A one-way deal worth $775,000 listed as 5'8", 165 pounds. Uh, Phillips was selected in the sixth round of the 2016 NHL entry draft by the Flames at 166th overall. Um, so he has some goal scoring uh, potential here as he scored 50 goals and added 40 assists for 90 points through 70 games, which comes out to 1.29 points per, per game average. Um, are you familiar with Phillips and what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I thought it was one of those things where you get with the connection with uh, getting Mitch Love out of Calgary and onto the staff in Washington. Obviously, you're going to get some players there. Like, I'm familiar with this coach. I think I'll get a fair shot at the NHL because I'm familiar with, you know, an assistant coach on the Capitals. So um, I think it's it's a definitely a shrewd ad. There's not there's no risk in the signing at all. Um, you know, worst case scenario, he's, you know, on Hershey. He gets a call up. You know, we kind of see where it goes. Or the best case scenario is he shows out at camp, makes it makes a team, and potentially somewhere in that like middle six, depending on how everything shakes out. Obviously, there's still I think some kind of like dust to settle in terms of how do we free up cap space to have a full roster at the NHL level? Um, you're probably looking at something along the lines of you know Mantha probably being traded. I know. McClellan has said he's only really interested in hockey trades. He doesn't want to dump salary, but at some point it's going to become, you know, the necessity if you want to have Pacioretty on the active roster when he's healthy and have some healthy scratches in case of injuries. So I think like when you're looking at it from that perspective, there's probably another move coming, at least one. Uh, but I'm not sure how of a big return it's going to be for the Caps or if it's going to be one of those kind of like Kevin Hayes deals where you retain half of Mantha's salary and you get like a seventh round pick for him. Um, but I think from that perspective, like I think Phillips adds a lot of depth. And in terms of players that we have at Hershey's level, I mean, there are a few players that could come up and probably play like on the fourth fourth line role or a more sheltered third line role. But I think Phillips is one of those you could probably plug in, you know, second line down and feel pretty comfortable with him. Um, and the, obviously you have, you know, Protus who's probably going to start at the NHL level, McMichael, who feels like he's penciled in for an NHL spot. But, you know, there's, there's some, you know, potential spots in the roster are going to fill up just because older team, more injuries, harder to come back from those. So for the most part, you're probably going to see some uh, players from the Hershey level up in the NHL next season, just from those injuries. And it'll be a good chance to see what they've gotten, especially in Phillips. Yeah. And with only about 888,000 and change left, there's not a lot of flexibility to make a big acquisition. As we know, a big piece would have to move out in order for a big piece to move in. Or Nick Backstrom could go on LTIR. I guess there's a lot of things uh, up in the air. All right, so coming up here, we will talk about the Capitals at the draft. Ultimately, I thought Ross Mahoney and the scouts hit it out of the park. We'll talk about that straight ahead. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, that's $200 you can spend betting for everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run 
all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get win instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure and subscribe or follow Locked On Capitals wherever you find your podcasts. I have a lot of big guests just like today, Justin Trudell, so make sure and subscribe or follow Locked On Capitals today. All right, in this next section here, next segment, we are going to talk about the Capitals at the draft. Uh, Many people thought they were going to get Mishkov, As it turns out, he went to the Flyers. I don't know if you were like me. I was kind of leaning forward on the couch. Is it going to be him? Oh, he went to the Flyers. Oh, shoot. Uh, I was really hoping he was going to come to the Capitals. But, excuse me, ultimately, I am happy with what the Capitals got in Leonard. We'll start with uh, Leonard, who was picked eighth overall. Uh, A bit of a physical presence. Um, I kind of think maybe a Tom Wilson 2.0, but a lot of people have kind of shot that down and say compare more to a Kachuk or he looks up to like an Austin Matthews who scored 60 goals a couple of years ago. If the Capitals can get any kind of production similar to Austin Matthews, I think that would be great. What was your initial reaction to the Capitals selecting Leonard? Yeah, if we uh, if we go back to, I think, the pre-draft version of this podcast, I think Ryan Leonard was one of the ones I pointed out as a really good selection for the Capitals at eight. Um, I really like the pick. Obviously, I was also disappointed that Mitchkoff went seventh overall to the flyers right before the capitals just like as as the picks went on and each cough wasn't getting selected i was like oh oh my it's gonna fall to the caps at eight and then of course the flyers get him at seven so um leonard is definitely a great consolation prize like you said he's probably more of like the kind of kachuk build he's um Probably, he's not as physically imposing as a Tom Wilson. There, you know, there's only a few of those in the league, right? Maybe Tom Wilson's the unicorn. But um, from the perspective of Ryan Leonard, like he's a guy who's going to go to those dirty areas, pot some goals. He's got offensive skills, and I think that really lines up with the comparables of uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk, who's uh, showing the playoffs. Like he'll go to those mucky areas. He'll get rebound goals. All of his goals aren't beautiful. You know, toe drags around defenders and putting a top shelf. It's you know, getting to a rebound, potting it in, those are the goals that are the most expensive, most important in the playoffs. And I think for the Capitals, that's the kind of player you need, especially with, you know, a player like TJ Oshie entering kind of the last couple of years of his career. Um, so I think that that kind of slide up as um, Leonard makes his way to Boston College next season, we'll kind of see where he's at after that. But I feel like Leonard is going to be more ready than not just because of how physically mature he is. And, um, He's got all the skills. So I think like, obviously there's a lot of disappointment that either the caps didn't move up to take Meechkoff, And it sounded like all the teams ahead of the caps in the draft were pretty set on selecting their guys and didn't want to move back because they might lose out on their guy. Um, so I think from the perspective of like, yeah, Meechkoff would have been great, but I think Leonard is probably one of those guys that you can really build a team identity around, um, you know, really hard to play against has skill and can score goals. So to me, like, I'm pretty happy with Leonard at eight. 
Yeah, I was happy overall, too. And if we know he's not going to be ready next season, he's going to be playing for Boston College. Um, so a few years from now, that sounds like when Alex Ovechkin will be hanging up the skates and it might be Tom Wilson as the captain of your team. Could you imagine Tom Wilson and Leonard on the same team? It will be a wrecking crew out there, suffices to say. Um, and again, I don't want to just, you know, paint him as just, you know, a physical guy, but uh, he does have one heck of a shot. As I heard, he actually broke a goalie's glove. Uh, at development camp. So um, the other big one out there that they selected round two, number 40 overall was Andrew Crystal. Crystal, I've heard them all. Um, and what I've been hearing and, you know, everything that has been written is that it was a steal for the Capitals and that first overall, overall pick Connor Bedard said that uh, he is one of the smartest players that he's ever played with. And whatever team gets him is going to be lucky. What is your assessment? I've had different guests on the show since the draft, but what is your assessment on why he went in the second round and not the first round? Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of this draft just being so deep. I mean, there's teams, you know, they rate prospects completely different from the next. So I think when you look at that, like Chris Hall is a little bit on the smaller side, but he's also like he's got great edge work. Like he can do a lot of skill moves, but I think his overall like top end speed isn't very quick. So I think his skating is probably what caused the drop, but obviously McClellan said in one of his press conferences that they had a first round grade on Cristal. So it's pretty great get in the second round for sure, especially, you know, 13th overall in the second. So I think when you look at that, like that's a player that you can probably develop. He's got all the skill in the world. It's just more or less like, all right, let's work on some of the fundamentals around skating and really bring him up to speed. And if you get like the right you know, skating coach with him and really improve his stride, you know, skating is not one of those things where it's like you're kind of just have what you're born with. It's a lot. It's a skill that you can really improve. I think we're the one of the uh, biggest kind of examples of that is Alex Tuck from Montreal, from Minnesota to Vegas to now Buffalo. Um yeah, from his time in Minnesota to Vegas, he really improved his skating, and that's probably one of his biggest skill sets that he has. Um, and at, you know, outside of his scoring ability and you know overall of offensive pension, but I think for the most part, like you get the right kind of development on his skating if you can get him up to like, you know, he's a he's a solid skater and he has skill to kind of like create separation between him and defenders. Then you got a player that's really smart skilled and you know can move around athletically so i think that's a really good pick um for the caps that don't have a ton of like top end forward prospect talent it's a good move like this guy you probably develop and turns into a top six player down the line yeah and it's an interesting thing you know everyone kind of has him projected to do great things but i was talking to uh bailey from the washington post and she was talking about you know there's a chance that he might not ever even make it into the nhl there's always that possibility that you know sometimes it doesn't always translate from you know um juniors and college into the nhl but one of the things that you know out there if i saw some clips of him at development camp he's a good playmaker a good passer um, so I think the potential is there to be a really great player. If that, uh, you know, ultimately materializes, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, at number four, they pick Patrick Thomas. Uh, and I'll scroll down a little bit further here. A defenseman in Cameron Allen, round five, number 136. So the Capitals' eyes are to the future as far as the blue line is concerned. What were your thoughts on Cameron Allen being picked in the fifth round? 
a tremendous value for the pick. I mean, that, this was a guy who's coming into the kind of the last season as a potential, you know, one of the first defensemen off the board. He had kind of a down season in his draft year, which is unfortunate for him, but fortunate for the Capitals because he kind of get a fifth round pick out of this player. Um, to me, it, you know, it satisfies a big need. Like one, he's a right-handed shot. You know, the only kind of like defenseman we're looking at, at kind of the prospect age, I think, Lucas Johansson is kind of aged out of the prospect kind of age there, but we're looking at, um, you know, Vincent Iorio and then, um, you know, this selection here. So I think you get a player that has a lot more offensive upside and had some good world juniors kind of experience there. I think you get a player that if you can, you know, kind of mold him in the kind of offensive capabilities of a John Carlson and try to see like, okay, this is what John Carlson does on the power play. This is what John Carlson does during even strength. Um, yeah, it's a player with good good um, instincts offensively. He knows when to pinch. He knows when to move around the, the forwards at the point. Um, so I think like this is a player that has the skill. I think it was more or less just like, kind of like a down season going into draft year, which can be a real snake bite for some of the top end guys, especially with how deep this draft was. But if the Caps are you know, really confident in developing this player, then they should feel really good about this pick, especially in the fifth round. Yeah, that's one of the things that I tell on this, people on this show is that I don't know what kind of season the Caps are going to have next season, but if you kind of look to the future, into the horizon, I think that this team is really going to be loaded. Uh, and then the Capitals also do select in the seventh round, or excuse me, uh, yeah, number seven, uh, number 206, Antoine Keller, a French goalie. Um, I, I'm always intrigued by the goalies that the Capitals select. I mean, historically have always just nailed it as far as I'm concerned. Pretty much, you know, every player that is down in the, you know, Hershey Bears or the Stingrays, they find a spot somewhere in the NHL at some point. Uh, what were your reactions to that? I understand that he might not ever even be a Capital, but it seemed like, you know, a diamond in the rough, if you will. And Ross Mahoney seemed pretty excited about it uh, in media day when they were questioning about Antoine Keller. Were, do you have any reactions to him? Yeah, I think it was interesting. Like, I believe the Caps traded back into the seventh round to take him because he was still available. Um, but I was looking at his stats. Like, at the U20 Worlds, he he posted a 921 save percentage in three games. And then um, in the international competition, a 920 save percentage in eight games. So this is a pretty yeah. good player. I mean, that's, that's pretty good competition. It's not like France has you know, a tremendous roster around them. Like, I think there's two active NHLers from France currently. Um, so I think, like, we're looking at from the perspective of, like, this is a goaltender that can play behind, you know, a probably not so great caliber team against very good caliber teams like Canada, Sweden, the U.S., and post good numbers. I think that's, like, a really substantial add in the seventh round. Obviously, there's a ton of depth in the capital system right now in goaltending, but... Like you said, you know, those are always kind of things that we see around around the league historically for the Caps is they get goalies and move them up through the system. They get their chance with the Capitals and then they eventually go somewhere else like a group hour, a bar long off, a new birth, you know, all those kind of players. So like it could be a potential great value. But yeah, like you said, it's a seventh round pick, obviously. So there's definitely a low percent chance that he makes NHL. But if he does, then we know that got a great value out of the seventh round. Yeah, I'm always excited to see who they pick. Sometimes, you know, I look at it, I'm like, well, the Caps have enough goalies, but then they draft one 
And then what Ross Mahoney has always said is you draft the best player available. You don't necessarily draft for position. All right, so coming up straight ahead, we will talk about the Caps coaching staff and what will that mean for the Caps on the ice? We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we have Justin Trudell of Nova Caps. So the Caps are making changes. They're rounding out their coaching staff. Uh, as we know, they hired Spencer Carberry, but now they have also added Kirk Muller and Kenny McCudden as the assistant skills coach. Miller, uh, excuse me, Muller will work with the power play in forwards and replace Blaine Forsythe. So no more of those slingshot moves potentially going in for the power play and that kind of thing. What, what was your reaction to the Caps movement here as far as the coaching staff is concerned? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Kirk Muller hiring, uh, mainly from the perspective of like, obviously you have Spencer Carberry is a first year NHL head coach. You have Mitch Love, who has AHL experience, but not a ton in the NHL. And then you have um, you know, Scott on who's been here. And then now Kirk Muller, who has all that experience, like I think 17 years in the NHL at this point between being an assistant and associate and a head coach. So I think from when we look at Muller, I think he has two years being, you know, specifically a power play coach in St. Louis. And he had a power play that was tied for the third in the league in his first season there and then sixth. So he's had good success. Obviously, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's in charge of the power play, but Carberry is going to have a lot of input there just because that's kind of his area of expertise, I think. So where we kind of get to is we have an experienced coach who has a lot of the respect that you kind of need to carry, especially a, a power play that's really star-studded full of vets that have been in the league for quite a long time. And you get that kind of instant respect with the Kirk Moeller. And then from the perspective of like, he's got all experience. So like he can help, you know, Spencer Carberry come along a bit as a NHL head coach. Cause it's going to be an adjustment process for sure. Like going from, you know, coaching AHL talent as an, as a head coach is a lot different than coaching you know, millionaires that are playing in the NHL. Right. So, um, so there's going to be a little bit of a switch. I think, I, I think Carberry's up for it, but I think having Moeller by his side will help a lot. Yeah, and uh, it seems to be that all of a sudden there's a Calgary connection. You know, we have uh, coaches and players coming over from Calgary. I don't know what that says about Calgary. I guess I don't know. Um, so just to take a look at the coaching staff as is, there's going to be some different looks out there. This is not going to be Peter Laviolette's Capitals. This is going to be Spencer Carberry and his crew. How is this team going to look on the ice next season? And do you think it's going to be an upgrade over last year's team? I think it's probably going to be more in line with the way the NHL is going, which is a speed game. So there's kind of this, um, this notion that in order to play fast, you have to be fast. Like you have to have, you know, five Carl Haglins on the ice at all times. So it's like, it's not necessarily a case like you can play fast, but not necessarily be super fast. It's more or less about moving the puck quicker and making short kind of calculated passes to move up the ice on the breakout and then in the in the offensive zone, like really just moving around a lot and getting the defensive team more tired and build that possession through the cycle, all that good stuff. So I think to me, we'll probably see a bit more of the speed game in terms of getting pucks out quick and moving up the ice with intentional short passes and really supporting each other throughout the neutral zone until they make the offensive zone. To me, the biggest thing that we have to look at is zone entries, both during five on five and the power play, just because that's been like, you watch the caps trying to enter the zone is typically not the clear, the cleanest thing, especially on the power play. And then you go and look at teams like 
Edmonton or Toronto or these other teams that have elite power plays, they just enter the zone at will, easy, mm-hmm. fast. You know, they establish that possession in the offensive zone and really get set up and get their structure going. I, I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing the Caps be able to do that, especially getting into the into the offensive zone with ease, especially in the power play where you can set up things where you actually want to go instead of you know chasing around you know the puck in your defensive end for half the power play, getting one shot on goal. That's you know probably a low kind of danger there. So I think to me it's like utilizing the talent of the team like you have a lot of talent it's older talent especially in the top six but if you can kind of infuse a little bit of youth in the bottom six then i think you're kind of there for the most part it's gonna look a little bit better i think um probably not as defensively focused probably more like let's like defense is obviously important but let's move the puck up the ice and get out of the zone and get into the offensive zone so i think like that's the main thing we're probably going to be looking at is building the structure more towards like puck moving, getting the puck out and really being more offensively focused and trying to score goals, which is where the Capitals really struggled last season um, in terms of their finishing capabilities. Like you, you only really had Ovechkin and then Oshi in limited games play that were really like those goal scorers. And then you had Connor Sherry kind of coming in and there's more like timely goals and things like that. But I think when we look at it from the perspective of, what the Capitals can build is a little more goal scoring and better conversion on their high danger chances where we saw a huge drop off last season. So one of the reasons that the Capitals hired Spencer Carberry in the first place was to win a Stanley Cup, of course, but also to finally bring in some of the youth. Is this going to be the season for Connor McMichael? And if so, where does he fit? Who comes out of the lineup so he can play? I think this is probably one of those things where you look at um, with Patch Ready possibly out for, I don't know, a couple weeks to a month to a couple months. I'm not sure what that your rehabilitation process looks like, but I think in his stead, we could definitely see Connor McMichael get his like first like substantial chance in the NHL uh, in a top six role. I think between him and Sonny Milano on the left side, you probably have a good like flip flop situation where you could put either of them in the second or third line and see where it goes. Um, I think at this point, like what more does McMichael have to prove in Hershey to be, you know, an NHLer? And I think at this point, like he's got to play in the NHL to get better. And I think that's kind of where it comes in. And when we kind of look at the way that the Metro division is kind of shaken out through this off season, we're probably looking at a team that's like maybe wild card bubble for the Caps. So at this point, it's like. McMichael should be on the team, I would say. I mean, it's all going to really depend on what his preseason and camp looks like. If he's really driven and wants to make the team, I think he will. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, if he makes a team, that's awesome. But if he doesn't, then it's like, what's happening? Does, does he does he need to be you know, moved for something? Um, part of a deal to make the team better now. But from the perspective of like where the Caps currently sit, if we're banking on complete rebound seasons from really big contributors... We're probably looking at, you know, a team that doesn't make the playoffs again and potentially looking at another lottery pick, which isn't the complete end of the world to me because, like, when we're looking at it, we're not trading away our firsts. We're not trading away really good prospects. We're not doing that, like, Detroit Red Wings at the end of their playoff streak uh, thing where I try to keep it alive and really mortgaging the future, extending that rebuild. So, like, the more conservative approaches that we've seen, especially, like, Hey, we haven't added like anything outside of Pacioretty and the forward group, so potentially we can move move up some forwards from Hershey and see where they stand. 
it's more or less like a, a really conservative move, I think, because you kind of have to see how everything shakes out, right? Like you're kind of banking on these healthy seasons rebound back to kind of prior seasons form, and then maybe you make the playoffs. Whereas like you'd be a little, more, a little bit more conservative and then you reach the trade deadline. If you're in a playoff spot or super close, like then you make the move and then you can see like what that looks like in terms of the value you'll, you'll get. And if it's offsetting kind of like the future plans, because at the end of the day, like we know we're staring down the barrel of a rebuild here mm-hmm. in the next couple of seasons. But if you play it right and you don't, leverage the future to try to make one last run when it's just not going to happen, then the rebuild period is shorter and you can get back to competitive hockey sooner rather than later. It turns into like a four or five year rebuild instead of a 10. Yeah. I mean, the difficult thing with this, and I understand Alex Ovechkin's importance going to be revered as one of the best players of all time, greatest goal scorer at some point is that it seems like the capitals are kind of in limbo until he decides to hang it up. Everything I've heard from Tarek Elbashir and everyone else is that there's not going to be any tear down to the studs rebuild until Ovi hangs it up. And to them, I always say, so is this team going to be competitive for the next three years or are they just going to be kind of mailing it in or, you know, trying to do their best? I got to say, I, you know, of course, I appreciate what Alex Ovechkin does and he's the heartbeat of this team, but it almost seems to be detrimental that, you know, we're kind of stymieing a change that is inevitable. We know it's going to happen at some point, but we're not going to do it because, well, we made a promise to Ovi that he play on a competitive team. It's just a little frustrating to me as a Caps fan. Listen, Justin, I want to thank you for joining us again on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Why don't you tell everyone where we can find your work? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at StayTrue20 with no E. And um, I write for NovaCapsFans.com. So you can check out any of my pieces there. Uh, you can also follow at NovaCaps on any social platform. Thanks once again for joining us. And are you a fan of other DC sports? Well, Locked On has got you covered. We got Locked On Nationals, Commanders, and Wizards. So no matter what major DC sport it is, Locked On has got you covered. All right, once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.